0: If you are one of our lovely, valuable listeners who enjoy our content, I'm going to ask that uh, you get out of your comfort zone a little bit and tell your friends about us. Uh, I've had a number of you reach out to me and tell me that the content is so good, you don't want your competitors to hear about it. But ultimately, the reason we run this show is to impact real estate investors' lives all around the country, and we ask that you kind of get behind that mission of The Good Stewards, Be a good steward of the information you're getting and benefiting from and give it to somebody who needs it. Thanks, y'all.
1: Welcome to the Good Stewards Podcast,
2: the only podcast dedicated to seasoned real estate investors who want to maximize the
1: cash flow potential in their business. We are buy and hold investors with a thousand plus properties and markets across the U.S. who bring an insider's view into the nitty gritty details of real estate investing If you're looking to develop the
2: mindset, teams, and systems that can dramatically build your real estate business and net
0: worth, you're in the right place. Welcome to this episode of the Good Stewards Podcast. I'm Ryan Dossi.
1: I'm Amanda Perkins.
0: I'm Bill Sirius. And I'm Andrew Sirius. In a moment, I'm going to give you my
2: favorite all-time quote, maybe my favorite business quote, all right? But before I do, please... Subscribe to The Good Stewards at thegoodstewards.com and like us, tell your friends, share it around. This is uncertain times, and uh, we're going to try to give a little bit of certainty, well, a little teeny bit of certainty in our conversation here today, and we hope uh, that you'll join us often. Uh, (laughs) The favorite quote, all right. So Everett Dirksen was the minority leader in the Senate during the 60s. And you have to understand the budget was, uh, oh, about $750 billion was the GDP during that era. It's now $21 trillion, so slightly different times. He was on the Johnny Carson show talking about the excessive government spending that was going on. And, and out of his lips came this quote. And, of course, I didn't hear it first ti- firsthand. This was back in the 60s, all right? He said, a billion here, a billion there, pretty soon it adds up to real money. Now, I'd like to paraphrase Everett's quote for today. Can anybody think of what the
0: paraphrase would be? A trillion here, a trillion there.
2: <laughs> Pretty soon. Adds it up adds to $1,200 up for the average to, family. To real money. <laughs> that's right. So that's just what passed uh, not too long ago uh, as a stimulus package. Now, you have to put that in perspective because if we have a $21 trillion GDP in our country, what that is trying to do is is to kind of enable us to get through what's obviously uh, a difficult time for many industries in our economy. So the federal government's coming in and say, we're going to flood the zone with with money to help this economy, say, to give it maybe a, uh, a month or maybe more of stimulus that will supplant the the fact that our GDP next year is going to go down considerably so that's where the stimulus that's kind of the why what for of the stimulus of course our children and grandchildren will be paying for that we expect but for the near term what it's trying to do is to keep us from a recession spiraling spiraling into a depression which none of us want and would make matters all that much worse. So, how are we to think about that as we as we look at the landscape? Because that money is going to be spread out among many industries, corporations. Think of the airlines, who aren't hardly making a dime; they're losing money hand over fist. Uh, the entertainment um, industry, the uh, lodging industry, uh, so many so many are on life support. So, this is kind of a lifeline that the federal government's throwing our economy. And we're all here to uh, try to sift through how that might make a difference for real estate investors. I don't know anybody
0: investors, we're we're a little spoiled. in that first off, we are still counted as an essential business, which is a huge blessing, I think. But I think for me, personally, um, I kind of had this like, super ignorant view of it, of like, well, yeah, like, it's kind of everybody's taking pause for a month, and then life will go back to normal. And that's like, I I don't know, super privileged and naive on my part of like, there are people that are paycheck to paycheck and companies that are paycheck to paycheck that, you know, a month or two of being closed, that's gonna be it. So I think as investors, it's important to keep that in mind of, you know, just because it maybe hasn't personally affected you all that much, or maybe it has, but that's not necessarily the case for things like local restaurants, local small businesses, especially stuff that's more, um, you know, uh, I would say slimmer margins, right? So stuff like local small businesses and craft shops and that kind of stuff, um, tourism in particular. So I know for me, that's kind of a change I've had of realizing like, okay, this has been more than a few weeks. This is this is going to be a problem.
2: I think what Ryan's saying is there's a call for empathy empathy to start off with. There's going to be definitely haves and have-nots in this society, as we know, when it comes to, oh, extra spending. You don't have to go out to the restaurant. You don't have to fly here. You don't have to stay at this hotel or Airbnb. So all these extraneous things just get sifted out of the system very quickly, and people... Uh, kind of roll up into their ball and see what a, what are the absolute uh, expenses that I can that I have to have and those that I can do without. So
0: I, I saw I saw a meme for the airline industry that was incredible. That was like, oh, the air, airline industry is struggling with their finances. Well, maybe they should just cut out lattes every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Not buy back their stocks every day. That would have been nice earlier on, but now their stocks are at a lot lower price, so they can 't even sell them at uh, and break even so it is what it is so we're we 're all in this together at at different levels but I would say if you if you have a solid job and if you have income coming in you 're in a very good place obviously if you don 't you 're scrambling around. But as real estate investors, the question is, what, how do you look at uncertain times and uh, how, do you, how do you think about, on one hand, protecting yourself on the downside and what you have already, and then on the other hand, how do, you, how do you carve out some opportunities along the way for yourself that might be unique? Because every, every pullback, every recession, and certainly every depression has, has winners and losers, and you want to be on the winner's side when it comes to finding new opportunities.
0: I know for me personally, um, facts over feelings has kind of been my, my battle cry this whole time of like, I may feel uncomfortable. I may feel like I don't like what's going on. I may feel like maybe deals aren't going to get done, but the facts are last week we had three deals close. We got a new deal under contract. We sold it that same week. So while I feel uncertain, and I, I feel like things are different, I have to look at the facts. And in the same way, I may feel anxious about, are my residents going to pay me next month? Are they going to look at like, well, this is this is free lunch, <laughs> right? Um, but it it doesn't benefit me at all to dive into the worst case scenarios, obviously have a contingency plan. But if you're curling up in a ball, just like what if nobody pays me? What if nobody pays me? That's not gonna benefit you. And you need to look at the facts of, you know, what is what is your resident pool comprised of? I mean, I know with us in Indianapolis, we definitely have people that this is affecting. But I also know we have other people that this is affecting in a in a good way. We have Amazon workers that are giving getting time and a half and all kinds of stuff like that. So facts over feelings has really kind of been um my my big motto the past few weeks.
1: Right. I mean, because it does feel a little bit like the world stopped. But it hasn't really a lot of people, a lot of people are still working. We were mid refinance in a couple different markets. Those are still moving forward. I talked to one of our bankers, bankers in Oregon last week, and I said, are you guys lending? And he said, yeah, we're always looking (laughs) to lend to qualified borrowers. And so, um, you know, we, we have things that are still moving forward. Now we've had a few things that have spun out greatly. Um, unfortunately, a very large package in one of our markets. We'd already paid for all the appraisals. We're out a significant amount of money, and they're not moving forward with that refinance. So
2: they would at at significantly uh, inferior terms to what they originally. Isn't that told funny?
0: Yeah. The, well, let we'll still let- deal the deal but it's going to hurt a lot more than it was supposed the to. The
1: letter of intent that we signed to initiate before we wired um tens of thousands of dollars reflect different terms than they're currently offering. So we're just going to have to write it out and see where we're at in 3 to 6 months with this portfolio and hopefully their terms have changed and you know there's a lot of it that it's like you know like you were talking about um You're kind of just taking it day by day, doing that sort of thing. A lot of that taking it day by day has allowed me to, or has kind of made it so that I can't think the big picture because I won't let myself go there. But, you know, we just over the weekend learned we're extended through April 30 on our social distancing order, which we all knew was coming down the line. So, you know, all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're for sure one more month out. We can take it day by day all we can, but we also have to plan for that next month and then figure out just that doesn't mean that april 30th business as usual I mean, it's what like when a, you're think,
0: grounded and you ask if you can get out and your parents say not yet it's <laughs> like oh i <laughs> got it
3: hmm. i think with regards to these these issues one uh dale carnegie has some good advice in his book on how to how to stop worrying and start living it's just like take the worst case scenarios what happens and what do you do then and so uh you know Banks have gotten a little bit stingier, a little pickier, but they're still lending. You know, interest rates, you know, the Fed said it's right now at 0%. Um, So rates were at historic lows or near historic lows before that. They're getting, and, and even with the increased uncertainty, they should stay around there, even though banks are are pickier. So there's the option, you know, refinancing is certainly an option. Uh, There's the SBA economic disaster loans um, for small businesses, real estate investors are small businesses. Um, This brief recap of the terms, the up to 2 million, 30 year AM, three and uh, 3.75%. So, and the first 12 months can be deferred. That's just kind of a brief rundown of them. So that's something you could look into as well. Uh, Selling could be a bit more challenging in this market if you need to raise funds, but uh, there are also people who have fled the stock market and some of them want to keep their money on the sideline for the time being. Others are more interested in alternative investments, so private lenders might be an option. So just look down what are the worst case scenarios and what are you going to do if that happens.
1: Specifically, in our market, or I mean, in our business, three private lenders reached out to me last week looking for loans. So, they're still wanting to make loans with us. So, could I
2: could I uh, could I suggest that uh, those who are listening to us go ahead and think about your absolute worst case scenario, so you can just deal with it. Let me tell you what I think my and our worst case scenario is in Eugene. And that is if they decide not to have college football start in the fall or the NFL, and that consequently, or alongside of that, that the universities don't start up again in the fall. So we rent, oh, 70% of our properties are to students, probably, maybe more. And if that didn't happen, of which many of them are pre-leased already, but if that didn't happen, we would be in a heap of trouble. So I've kind of faced that as our worst case scenario, that that this would just turn our business upside down. We would have to do all kinds of things we never envisioned as a result of that. I would encourage you to just stare worst case scenario in the face and say, okay, as a result, are you not going to be able to have a warm place to lay your head down? Are you not going to be able to eat? Are you not going to be able to tell your, your wife, your husband, your children, I love you. Probably not. Uh, we are in such better shape, if you think about it, than so much of the world. It's reading something about the uh, situation in Iraq right now, which is just awful. And there's many other places that reflect that in our world. I'm not saying that to, to discount anybody's pain here or depression or any of that kind of thing. It's real for sure. But face the worst case scenario right in the face and say, would this really bring me down, or is there a way through this? It might be really uncomfortable, but is there a way to deal with this? I think there is.
0: Tim Ferriss calls that fear setting. It's basically just asking, and then what, and then what, and then what, and kind of following out the the, the train of logic. One thing I will mention that we've uh, we've seen, and this is just from talking to a lot of high level investors that are doing a lot of volume particularly on like the buy and sell side. So wholesalers, flippers, that kind of stuff. um, Deals just feel different. Like, it's, it's kind of like awkward and kind of clunky. And, you know, kind of like, well, are you still buying like everybody's trying to feel everybody out on everything. Even with our title company, um, when Indiana went to, like non essential businesses, they were like, well, we're not going to do like, we don't let people in the office anymore, we'll come out to your car window with the paperwork. And it's kind of like, that's really weird. (laughs) This is really different. But, you know, one thing I think I will say, um, you know, Bill, you mentioned there's going to be people that come out on the winning side of this and on the losing side of it. I would say now more than ever, those that are going to come out on the winning side of it are those who are acting proactively, who are looking at their businesses, looking at the models, figuring out how to tweak them. There's all kinds of stuff we've never even considered before that we're looking at in Indianapolis from different exit strategies to different marketing pieces to different acquisitions of just how can we pivot when we need to? And I think if you kind of sit back on your, on your haunches a little bit and like, well, let's just kind of see what happens. Even on a personal level, I was like, look, I've got to start reading some stuff. I've got to, I have to start educating myself more because I'm just sitting here wasting time. I watched Tiger King in like a day.
1: <laughs> right. i the second person I've
0: heard say that in the last two days. <laughs> I was like, oh, my, my husband cool watched and kittens,
1: it so I need to and do then started watching it time. again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that being said, though, I think it's, you've, uh, I think, that gap we're going to see increase is going to be between those who take this time and use it proactively versus those who it's kind of like, are you going to take the bull by the horns? Or are you just going to kind of wait and see what happens?
1: Well, and like you brought up a good point of it is sometimes it can be uncomfortable to think about doing something different because in your mind, it's like, this is how we do things. Well, this is how we do things could have ended you know, two weeks or three weeks ago. So now we got to figure out, okay, this is the new way that we do things because we are ever evolving. We have to be. We're changing with the times.
2: Yeah, and everybody is facing the same thing, not necessarily financially, but there's going to be a lot of understanding out there of people not being able to pay mortgages or rents and so forth. And we just we just need to be understanding towards each other. Now, this is not a... An opportunity to get out of obligations that you can meet, but it is an uh, an understanding that there might be obligations that you can't meet and you're just going to have to talk with people who you have those obligations to. And again, we've talked about this before, but I'd say communication and sooner rather than later, if you have a lender, you can't meet that obligation or as a uh, rent that can't come in or, you know, those conversations should happen as hard as they are, you've you've got to put one foot foot before the other and and start on to that, have that note
0: as a as a landlord though or a property owner we don't really like the term landlord. Now is not a time I'd be soft either, and what I mean by that is like somebody reaches out and they're like, hey, you know, I can't pay rent due to like you know COVID. Um, one of the guys in my group was like, yeah, I had somebody reach out. I have four working adults in a household who all work for Amazon. (laughs) They were like, yeah, due to COVID, we're not going to be able to pay rent. And he was like, and I had to call him out on it. Like, okay, cool. I need a letter from Amazon stating that you've been laid off due to COVID and COVID only. And then we can talk. And it was like crickets, right? Like he's like, these are people that are late every month that are looking to, you know, quote, seize the day when it's like, they don't, they're not. So that being said, trust, but verify right now. I
1: have another question because I have sort of heard of a whole movement and people are encouraging it. You know, a lot of mortgage lenders are offering deferments and that sort of thing. And the tone in the market, I mean, that I'm hearing from people is if people are offering you grace, take it. And I'm not necessarily of that opinion. If you are one of the, if you can afford to make your mortgage payments, I feel like you should make your mortgage payments. Just like if you can afford to pay your rent, you should pay your rent. But Do you, I mean, what's the other side of that thinking? Because maybe my side is very one-sided.
0: I mean, I think I think of it the same way you do of am I going to be somebody who's helping keep the economy going or am I going to be somebody who's taking advantage? And I mean, the way I look at it, if I'm in a position that I don't need that help, I'm not going to ask for it. But at the same time, if I am in a position where I need it, I am going to ask for it. And there may be certain places in your life or in your business that you need to do that. Maybe you have, maybe you have a loan with a hard money lender on a flip that's not selling. That you need to have a hard conversation with, but you can still pay your mortgage, right? right. Yeah, so rem- that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it.
2: I remember back in the Great Recession, we had a uh, fairly expensive property, and there was uh, some new private lenders on there. And uh, actually, there are two different instances. And I asked uh, these two individuals for two different properties if they would consider taking less than the uh, the amount that we owed them. For interest,
1: uh, w- not less for in- of for interest,
2: yes, for interest. And one of them said yes, and one of them said no. Uh, <laughs> the one that said no actually never loaned to us again. The one that said yes, interestingly enough, kept lending to us again. So it's it's hard to it's hard to see where these things might land or end up. Uh, but I I think you know uh, having that conversation, if necessary, um, you know it. It it makes a lot of sense, and I would do it again earlier rather than later. If that's that's uh, that's to be, so I, I would agree with Ryan and Amanda. If if you don't need uh, those conversations, certainly you don't want to take advantage of Leave people. Leave it for that, the folks who do. Yeah, for sure.
0: In in the same way, I mean, I, I kind of look at if you can afford to support your local small businesses that you were supporting before, who you enjoy eating from or, or whatever, do your best to. You know, kind of keep things moving for those folks at at a certain level. It's not your job to keep them afloat, but if you need to go out to eat and that's or if you need to order in and that's somewhere you normally get food from, maybe you do take home. So, shifting gears a little bit, let's talk about pricing um, and kind of what you guys are seeing and kind of thinking. Um, I'll kind of I'll start with. My thoughts, and then I'm I'm kind of the the baby here as far as real estate markets go. So you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, first thing, obviously, that happens in a recession is banks start to tighten up, right? Um, so that would make me believe that if I was a fix and flipper right now, I would want to be focusing on a product that is typically going to be purchased by folks that are still going to meet that criteria think from what I saw FHA is at a 680 credit score or higher now, Um, jumbo loans are 720 credit score or higher now. Um, So I think if I was a fix and flipper, I would want to focus on that, those sort of assets. So I may be focused less on like, really low end blue collary stuff. And I may be focusing more on like really solid vinyl village stuff. Or maybe, maybe not a first time home buyer neighborhood, but a second time home buyer neighborhood, right? Like in Indianapolis, first time home buyers are, you know, 100, 120, 150 in there. Second time home buyer, though, 150, 200, somewhere in there. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I agree with that. Especially, I have um, a mortgage broker friend who had discussed that some of those investor backed loans are. On hold a little bit right now, just because of some of the deferments that are being offered, and so there aren't any servicers that are wanting to come in and buy the loans from um, once they're originated, because the servicers are still on the hook for making full payments to the investor, even if deferments are offered from the servicer to the mortgage holder. So you know, like some of those products, you know, if you were counting on that FHA home buyer or you know something like that you know, which is oftentimes going to be a first-time home buyer, um, might be harder to close those loans.
0: Let's say hypothetically, I'm a flipper and I have multiple offers. How how am I determining which one is most likely to close right now? I'm assuming it's not FHA. Is this like 5% down conventional? Is there more due diligence that should be done?
1: I would say right now you're probably your strongest buyer is going to be that person who has the cash down payment that isn't looking for, you know, a conventional home buyer with a 20% cash down situation. So, you know, when you're sifting through, you're going to want to give priority to those or obviously cash buyers. But does anybody have that many cash buyers buying in the retail market? I mean, I suppose, but I mean, that's what I would be. That's what I would be targeting to.
3: CNBC reported a little while ago that uh, home sales might fall as much as 35% year over year, about two million less sales this year than last year and uh, annualized uh, or, uh, or at least for, for April. Um, so flipping is not flipping is something I would be pretty pretty careful with in general right now. If you're looking to buy to flip, um, now of course, if you're going to have a whole process of flipping a house could take a couple of months, things might change a little bit, but I would be a little bit more careful with large capital projects that require you selling the property right now. Uh, stuff where like getting a great deal where you can hold it, um, that might make more sense, uh, or wholesaling where you're not under, where you're not taking the property, um, into your own possession or not taking very long if you're going to, you know, get it under contract and sell it very quickly. Those would be more appealing to me in this environment than a large capital project where you require selling the property at the end in an uncertain market where home sales are certain to go down and could go down substantially for, who knows? I mean, the uh, it seems like economists are becoming less and less optimistic about a, a V-shaped re- uh, recovery It'll probably be a slow wind up after this, so I'd be more my my general recommendation would be try to if you have a flip, that's one thing, but try to stay away from those a little bit more so and move more towards uh uh wholesales or or holds that you're gonna hold for a
0: very long time. And this this recession will eventually end. Or if you're gonna do flips, maybe smaller projects. Yeah, now is not the time to rebuild something in a historic neighborhood. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not.
2: What's your exit strategy? Do you have more than one kind of thing? And I would say, can you do buy you and hold? It? Yeah, can you rent this property? And if so, uh, can you basically make it work uh, cash flow wise? If you have to rent it, um, we're we're currently in a deal right now that we bought. I think we bought a f- fairly good price at two ten. We thought it could sell f- uh, after we put in about twenty five for. Um, at the low end, 285, uh, and maybe more, probably closer to 300. But right now, I'm kind of reevaluating that. We kind of have to make a decision this week. The uh, seller's already said they'll take $10,000 off that, so that's 5%, essentially, of the price. Is that good enough when you look at uh, what Andrew is saying? Now, our market has been, this is Eugene, Oregon, super tight Uh, so it's going to continue to be somewhat tight because there's just not very much supply in the market, but you've got to make those judgment calls. And this certainly is a property that we can rent, uh, which we, um, we often do keep these properties. Some we flip, some we keep. So we do have a backup exit strategy here. And I would really encourage that.
0: What do you guys think as far as like, obviously this is going to affect different markets in different ways. Um, comically, my my thinking on it has shifted a little bit. Initially, I was like, you know, hey, the markets that really appreciated are going to really suffer. But at the same time, a lot of those markets that appreciated also have a lot of people that are working from home right now with zero problem. Right. Whereas some of the more blue collar markets and neighborhoods, I think, could potentially struggle a little bit. But um, do you do you see us dropping back to like a you know 2007 2008 pricing level do you see us going below that i mean i know so far we've basically just been kind of cutting like 10% off the top and just kind of making sure we're getting really good deals in really good neighborhoods it's but it's so
1: hard to guess that because this was such a this is just such a different thing i mean a health pan- pandemic has caused this like tightening of everything whereas the last recession was caused by Really bad lending practices Greed. that were not <laughs> right, and so, and we're, so we weren't there. So I don't know. It's I mean that's that that really is the unknown right there.
2: A million dollar well, I, I, I kind of was there, um, and I would say that it was really hard even then. You know, looking back, hey, that was an easy call to make. That there was going to be a large roller coaster ride down in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. But it wasn't that easy to make that, and we were bu- still buying properties in that that uh, environment. We were flipping properties rather than holding them in general. Uh, but what that meant is that you know we, uh, as long as the buyer pool doesn't freeze up because the lending pool freezes up, then I think there's still a, an avenue to sell properties. That's what we found so difficult. Then is that the buyers exited the market in general because they couldn't get a loan. You'd have to have two appraisals, so forth. So you don't, you know, in retrospect, oh, it's easy to figure that one out. I think in retrospect on this one, we'll know exactly when we should have grabbed that falling knife.
1: So here's a question uh, that, you know, three of us on this uh, podcast were not part of, but so the dot-com recession that happened at the end of the 90s in mm-hmm. the early 2000s, you were a part of that. What did what happened with real estate at that moment?
2: Well, that was, that was pretty much a blip on the, that, that was mainly a stock uh, thing. And, and a lot of money from the stock market went into the real estate market from that one. So it was the first
3: and only recession on record where real estate prices continued to go
1: right, up. Yeah. I do feel yeah. that's kind of when you were able to two, buy a <laughs> lot of your campus stuff. I mean, like when I look back like that, those are a lot of your strongest purchasing years. It was like, you'd kind they of were. found your legs at that point.
2: Yeah, so you know we don't know. I do think that there is so much uncertainty in this market, and I I do think it's going to be really hard to reignite the economy. Um, You know, many jobs will be lost forever. These uh, these restaurant owners who uh, you know were you know put it all together for their dream. uh, You know, we had a few us that just opened, and it's like, yeah, yeah. (sighs) Now, Oof. interestingly enough, we just had a uh, a person in California who's moving up to Oregon, in, to Eugene in particular. They just bought a restaurant. They're going to be a.
1: But it was Figaro's uh, Take and Bake, which is probably. That's, that's the point. Right? See,
2: there's winners and or So they, they bought a Take and Bake pizza uh, franchise, a couple of them in town here. So they're sitting pretty, you know? I mean, who what other business would you want to be in? And some, somebody expects to come in, grab their pizza and leave kind of thing rather than dine
0: in. So, Pro tip that's totally unrelated. If you have a smoker and have never done a take and bake pizza on it, that will change your life. <laughs> Pro Check <tip>. out Figaro's <laughs> and Eugene. <laughs> oh, yeah, we want suit. to support Figaro's by the way, in Eugene. So no, we, uh, we actually, I was talking to, we've got a local restaurant that we frequent pretty often. It's kind of like our spot right like the owners know my wife and i on a first name basis um they give us cookies all the time just as like they'll clear out our check and like oh we which bake one of
1: cookies. you is a norm in the relationship between you and your wife maybe you don't <laughs> even know what shears is
0: that so totally much. went over my head i don't i don't know what this i don't know what that, <laughs> that is that was a 90s thing maybe i is. was
1: born in 93 tremendously. oh
0: <laughs> whoa um so no, we were talking to the owners and we asked them, you know, Hey, how's this going for you? And the thing they were doing that was sweet is if there's kind of like this little restaurant strip by us and they were feeding any restaurant workers who were laid off for free, they'd come in and get a free meal once a day. Just like no, no questions asked. Super, super solid. They said till they had a guy come in and get seven ribeyes for himself. <laughs> and then they were like, okay, <laughs> we're going to set some rules Okay. Here, questions
1: but. are going to be asked. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, but the thing that was interesting that they were saying is like, as soon as this started to get popular, they started to shift more towards call in and takeout and local delivery, right? And um, they said so far, actually, they've been fine. It still makes sense for them to keep doors open. People are still coming in. People are still ordering food. So, but again, I kind of throw that back to the investor analogy we've discussed: is they pivoted quickly, which is why they've survived so far. And if you're, you know, hitting your head against the brick wall of like, well, it's always been this way. Like, well, uh, I'm reading a book and one of the, uh, one of the things they talk about is different lies and kind of the truth to it. And the lie was, well, I've always done it this way. Well, just because you've always done it that way, doesn't mean that's going to work now. So you may need to figure out how to buy a house, uh, without physically walking inside it. You may need to figure out how to sell a house to a cash buyer without them ever touring it. Now, we do it all the time because we've got kind of that system dialed in and people trust the content we're giving them. But you may have to start to pivot. Your regular guys, if you're a wholesaler, that buy from you may not be your regulars anymore. You may need to find the landlords and the property management company owners and figure out, you know, hey, who do they know that's still buying? Um, I think now, if anything, is a time to get out of your comfort zone, then kind of seclude yourself back into it. Absolutely. Which, let's be real. That's not fun.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good way to end this. uh, Get out of your comfort zone. (laughs) Well, I think maybe another way to put that is be proactive. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're uh, trying to be proactive ourselves. We all are dealing with different markets and different issues. And uh, we know you are as well. So we hope you join us again. And please look us up at thegoodstewards.com. Again, subscribe and uh, tell your friends about it. We're in this together. And we're going to look for practical solutions all the way along the line. Have a good day and a good week.